Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hi guys, Santosh here, your pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. Hey, and it's Dr. Ward here, your local ER doc. Joined by our two special guests. For the first time ever on the Travel Medicine podcast, it's Praz the Sandman putting you all to sleep. Wait, that didn't sound right, did it? Not, not until the end of the show, man. For people who don't get the beautiful medical reference that Proz is trying to make, he is an anesthesiologist. And okay. what anesthesiologist goes unaccompanied without some surgeon near at hand? And so we brought back fan favorites. So good to be back. I'm sorry I've been absent all season, but it is fabulous to join the crew again. Yeah, Susanna's been busy actually being a doctor. It's <laughs> overrated. <laughs> this is our final episode of the season, so guys, Aww. save up all your ear hole fillings, because we won't be back again till October. That sentence came out badly. It, it came out terribly, <laughs> but I think I can help make up for it. You guys can actually go back to previous episodes and it's a it's a great way to spend your time you know for all the trouble i'm having with language today santosh it fits in perfectly with our topic because to finish up the season we're going to talk about the language of medicine and the language unique to medicine there's quite a lot of of doctor slang yeah so mm -hmm. and i'm guessing that each of us coming from our own different specialty, has probably heard a lot of different slang, both about patients and about each other. And this would be a good time to kind of take a peek behind the curtain and see how we help to keep our stress levels down and our vocabulary up. 
Yeah, and there are plenty of medical dramas and comedies where we come upon medical talk and doctor speak. And openly, admittedly, I think every one of us can say that, yes, we sometimes just throw out some doc talk because we need to take a breath and say something funny and talk to our colleagues so that we can better do our jobs to take care of you guys. Well, when we were when we were in medical school, we were actually almost taught a different set of language and a different set of vocabulary. In the operating room, you wouldn't say, I'm cutting into a leg, right? You're, you say, I'm cutting into the medial malleolus or I'm cutting into the... God, my anatomy sucks, but uh, <laughs> that muscle, <laughs> the, the lateral lalus of God the knee goes connected to the thigh You bone. cut into the thigh bone. <laughs> but you know, if you hear a doctor saying, hey, I'm going to cut into the thigh bone, you know, there's an issue. And I actually read that when we go through medical training, we do learn enough new vocabulary to qualify or at least be similar to somebody that goes out and learns a new language like French or Spanish or Latin. So it is medical ease. Now, while some of what you are going to hear on this show could definitely be construed as derogatory slang, some of it is actually a way to pack a lot of information into a single phrase or even shorthand for when we're practicing. For example, High five when referring to a patient to give other staff a heads up that they will be working on somebody with HIV. Now, in medicine, not a big deal, but in surgery, where it can be transmitted by blood, that might be useful information to know. Why don't we get started with, I think, one of my favorite stories, Santosh, when you taught me about Spanish CPR and status Hispanicus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is, if we want to talk about the the least apropos things <laughs> that we should be saying, this is a good example. And I was down in Miami, I was a resident, and this was the very typical look, I don't know, I'd say Latina mother, usually, or grandma, who would run around screaming, oh, yeah, 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 oh, but you have to help me after, you know, when nothing was wrong. Absolutely nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all okay. It's going to be all right, ma'am. And she still had to run around and ay, 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 ay. So that was... And we should specify this is almost always the eldest female relative yes. of the patient, mm-hmm. not yes. the patient themselves. And in areas that do not have the same Spanish population as Miami, this is known as status dramaticus. Yes, that's another, that's another excellent term. Which I think we should clarify that status asthmaticus, which is an actual medical condition when somebody has such severe asthma that they won't break and they can't breathe, right. is so, a medical term that we really use. Yeah, so that's yeah. a real thing. <laughs> so this is, this is status Hispanicus. And status Hispanicus, the, the person does not need to be Latino and yelling and screaming and, and running around in so Spanish. I can have status Hispanicus too? You can totally be status Hispanicus, oh. yes. It sounds so wrong, Santosh. And I was going to say, oh, that was different times, but it's like, that was 2009 right. when I heard you tell that story. <laughs> Any time you have a 
uh, a participant in the healthcare. It can be on uh-huh. the healthcare side, but it's usually one of the patient's family freaking out about nothing. Right. Because we were in Miami, which is a very richly Hispanic city, status Hispanicus, absolutely. Yes. I trained in New York City and we had status Hispanicus there too. Oh, yeah. We also had people that were ay, 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 bra- uh, tachycardic. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Ooh, ooh, so, bradycardic. Wait, what's old bradycardic? That sounds yeah. bad. <laughs> Older Hispanic females are either one or the other. They're going to be the ay, 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 tachycardic with their heart beating fast or they're like, oh, really great. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and again, we we refer to it as ITAC for exactly the reason Susanna said, because very often these older females will say, I, 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 Dios, I, Madre, I, this. And it will get closer and closer together until it just sounds like one big, I, 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 which keeps pace with their heartbeat. Right. Right. Oh, wow. Now, the I, I had not heard of the O O O O bradycardic, but but it it stands to reason. What I had heard of is did any of you get a chance to read the fantastic book House of God by Samuel Shen? I did. Yes, it's one I've of my heard favorites. Of it. Just heard of it. So there's a couple great slang terms in there that I still heard during my training, and even a few we use today. Some of the more famous being the O sign when you see a patient with their head tilted back, mouth open in an O, and that's usually an indication that maybe things aren't going quite as well or they are healthy. (laughs) Even better than the O sign is the Q sign, where it's the O sign plus a tongue hanging out. Plus a tongue. If you see a tongue, and and you can imagine that it, it, it takes a lot for a person to be so far out medically that that their tongue actually lolls out so no, that's <laughs> that's different that. from the o sign in the kama sutra no no where, but uh, that's not a yeah. sign that's not a medical sign that's a face oh that oh face okay that's yeah, an old right. face exactly. thanks for clarifying that yes there's a difference <laughs> between you. an o sign <laughs> and an o face but now if you start having itac when making your o face that's a different story entirely <laughs> no that, that's actually that's no 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 good... but the o sign is on a face though right it's it's a it's a particular it's a look on a face. It is, but the so o, is a face. O, o sign is a sign of distress versus O face, which is a sign usually of pleasure, right. uh, of, of pleasure in there. Mark. Getting eye tack. So if you go, I, 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 during your O face, first of all, impressive because you can <laughs> contort your O face and still make eyes. But that's a good sign. Some. Well, one of the things I always liked about when you first told me about status Hispanicus, Hispanicus. and ITAC, you <laughs> you turn you also told me that normally the eldest male or the next eldest female would come in and practice Spanish CPR yeah. on said patient. Yeah. So and, the Spanish CPR is you have to sit the the ITACI individual down in a chair hold their hand, and you you wave a napkin in front of their face to fan them. Uh, and at about, you know, maybe 10 beats per second, 10 beats per minute, 10 beats, nice, slow, 
That, and that's your CPR. It's very important. Oh, I've seen it on a telenovela once. If this is a Catholic Latino family, you can chant the rosary. Yeah, that's advanced CPR for status. Status Hispanicus, yes. Very advanced. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Certainly, our, our slang is not restricted to patients. It's also used in and among each other. Oh, yeah. To refer to, to, refer to different departments. Absolutely. We often refer to surgeons as cowboys. Mm-hmm. You can be a anesthesiologist cutter. Anesthesiologists as gas passers. Gas. You can be a cutter. You can be a cutter. Uh-huh. Why don't we go through each of our departments and maybe say a little slang that's unique to uh, to our particular field? Um, ward, you're in the emergency room, usually the the entryway. What are some mm-hmm. what's some slang that you use or hear in and around your department? Oh, well, I think the emergency room is the birthplace of uh, the original acronym GOMER, right? Oh, short uh, for get out of my emergency room. For oh, yeah. get out of my emergency room. And I think that was more of a saying that, w- that was being said back in the late 90s and early 2000s. This is also mentioned in Hasagad, but essentially it's someone who really doesn't belong in the ER. Either because that person is really doesn't have an emergency and should be seen by their primary care physician or that they're so sick that they we don't want them in the ER. They should be in the ICU or in the operating room. Right. So anybody we really don't want in the ER for an extended period of time, which is really everyone. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Gomer is kind of a, Gomer's, it's kind of a sliding scale. It's- the ER is also famous for the more modern version of the Gomer, the frequent flyer. Perfect slang, especially for the travel medicine podcast. (laughs) Right. After 10,000 miles, you get a free cup of crappy ER coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Texting sign. That's another one we say in the ER. Oh, yeah. Texting texting, positive Positive iPhone sign. sign. So positive iPhone sign is extremely important. For lay people who don't speak medical jargon, in medicine, we talk about some specific signs, like Homan's sign for DVTs, you know, deep vein thromboses. Right. These are clinical findings. You know, we kind of shorthand it into a sign. Nothing wrong with that person chatting and texting away. <laughs> or at least that it's not as serious as they've made it out to be. Right. It's now, probably not a life-threatening, actively dying people, patient. You know, somebody comes in complaining of 10 out of 10 belly pain but has a positive burger sign meaning they're holding their McDonald's cheeseburger in one hand and texting on their iPhone, we have reason to suspect that maybe the pain is not quite as severe as we're being led to believe. (laughs) I stamped their frequent flyer miles. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any other names for different specialties that you use? Specialties, docs, nurses? Of course uh, not. I call them by... I say my esteemed colleagues in medicine, <laughs> surgery, and anesthesia. Sure. Why do you? <laughs> but that's a perfect example of another slang term. Ward likes to turf patients yes, over to anyone who will take them. <laughs> that was actually a fantastic turf right there. That was, that was a great turf. <laughs> the Hollywood code, or the slow code, is... It is something that doctors talk about. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily actually done, but a Hollywood code is a doing CPR on essentially someone who's already deceased and has no chance of recovering. You know, stopping short and just saying, hey, you know what, this person is done, sometimes is tough emotionally for family members who are nearby. 
the code is more CPR that's going on is actually more beneficial for everyone around the recently it's, deceased. It's called the Hollywood code because it is all flash and no substance, like the ones you see on television shows where they just put the fist against the chest and go, why? Live, damn you, live! Not, not another today. patient! Yeah, not today! In the ICU as well, so I'm very familiar with that too. Proz, I'm going to take a moment here to welcome you to the show. This is your first appearance with us, but you are joining as one of the hosts in Season 3. And you are both an ICU doc and an anesthesia doc. Yes, or you sir. Had so, you certainly have a whole host of both medicine and surgery slang I'm sure you could share with us. Yes, yes. Starting with, I guess, names for us. Well, I've heard Gas Passer, I've heard Gas Monkey. No. Uh, <laughs> Josh, courtesy of Josh, of course. Um, well, so that's, that's more specific to pros than the field of anesthesia in general. He just has a very a monkey-ish sort of look about him. He does. He... This is the reason I don't have a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might also call us um, the cows because the surgeons are the cowboys and they're always riding us. Um, oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, the only name for us that really bothers me on a regular basis, and I find this being done pretty much everywhere is when they refer to me as simply anesthesia. Uh, <laughs> Not like my name. Right. I mean, it's particularly <laughs> insulting to me, especially when I, because this isn't just where I am now. This was at my last job. This was, I think, in residency as well. I'd walk into the room and the nurses or whoever would be like, Okay, anesthesia's here. Your doctor will be in later. To me. You're just an abstract concept. <laughs> Floating cloud of gas. Basically. That's more insulting than gas monkey. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least when he walks in, I'm like, hey, gas monkey. Yeah. But you are at least directing to the individual. Yeah, there, there's, yes. a, you know, you're, you're demoted from human to monkey, but, you know, at least it's an individual. At least I'm me. Uh, I want to add a few a few words in my defense here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, process, so, process so I'm sorry bad. that you find anesthesia offensive. It's actually good to hear that because I didn't realize it. But as a surgeon, when I want to talk to whoever's on the other side of the curtain dealing with the anesthesia of the patient, sometimes I don't know who's on the other side because anesthesiologists tap each other out when you take breaks and... You do whatever you need to do. Um, sometimes it's a CRNA who is a nurse anesthetist and not the mm. anesthesiologist. So I don't know how or who to address. So I just say, hey, anesthesia, how's it going up there? But now that I know that it's offensive, I'll, I'll try my best to change my practices. Alternatively, Proz, you could just start responding with, yes, surgeon. Yeah, or scrub tech, or circulator. <laughs> circulator. Um, no, no, don't do that to the nurses. They will kill you. At first, I could see when I started my job, people didn't always know me, so referring to me as anesthesia, anesthesia. might have been a little bit more. Now, most of them either know my name or know who I am, so they at least make a conscious effort, as you do, and it is definitely appreciated. Actually, I had to correct a patient on that the other day, I walked into the room, and the patient asked, there was older, and a uh, gomer, 
and it asked their daughter, hey, is this my doctor? And the daughter was like, no. In one of the few instances that I've actually ever interrupted anyone, I said, actually, ma'am, proceeded to show her my ID and I explained to her that I am their doctor. So, anyway. <laughs> the best name for an anesthesiologist I, I ever heard was... Uh, actually told to me from our our research assistant, our former research assistant, who worked with an anesthesiologist named Dr. Gassaway. Uh, huh. And can you imagine, Praz, huh. if you could walk in like, hello, I'm Dr. Gassaway. Oh, t- <laughs> that, was the, that was like the urologist, Dr. Glasscock. He's a good, huh. he's a good man, Glasscock. Sometimes fate wins. Oh, Susanna, I did want to ask while we're staying like surgical or in the OR. So mm-hmm. do you do the stereotypical surgeon thing of saying, oh, I've got a, my appendix is in room 534 and I think they're on my schedule for two o'clock and my leg is coming in at seven. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. Guilty as charged. <laughs> so not not, you know, like Mr. Smith. but yeah my leg and i i think josh and ward we're a little guilty of that on our on our rounding schedules in medicine too like we'll say oh yeah the sepsis and curtain too or you know i could have like five mr smiths if i don't be like this is pneumonia smith this is heart attack smith that's true you you do have to differentiate somehow yeah yeah. <laughs> See, we in in peds, we're sometimes accused of uh, doing a cuteness rating scale. Hmm. Uh, oh, that's terrible! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You rate children. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this. Some totally... people are accused of that as for adults too. You can do that. It's like, oh, uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, it's the ugly. Well, cause that's just called life. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, Santosh, I'm yeah. I'm glad you brought up yeah. peds and and your cuteness scale. Do you ever have any FLK children? So, so that is that's a term right now in children's hospitals that is strictly prohibited. What is so, FLK? Please uh, elaborate. <laughs> One of the terms that you could put, and it would sometimes even appear in a chart, if you look probably before 1990, you would see FLK. I don't, which means funny looking kid this means <laughs> what this would mean is this child has some syndrome a collection of anatomic no no santosh i actually want to correct you oh, it's specifically dear. it is specifically not a syndrome child flk syndrome or flk what? refers to the facial characteristics of a child who just was born looking funny. They don't well, have a recognizable <laughs> syndrome like Downs no, or no, well, that's, that's what Happy I meant. Sorry, I, <laughs> I did misspeak. You're right, Josh. So what it is is you would say, oh, this kid has some, probably some syndrome. He has a collection of anatomical issues, a hand there, a face there, or something, something, and I can't put it together and call it something based on the knowledge that I have now, so it's just an FLK, a funny-looking kid. Um, we and had again, FLK. we do not necessarily endorse any of these no, terms, but we've heard them, and it's fun to discuss. It is, it mm-hmm. is. So these, these are things, you know, it would be, you know, 
in quiet little rounds, and if you needed to refer to someone quickly, the shorthand is really useful. I think all of you can agree. Kind of in the middle of the night, uh, you know, and you you got a phone call. It's three a.m. and you're you've got maybe two brain cells firing, and you need to hear from the, whoever's on the ward, whether it's the nurse or the resident. You need like five words to describe what's going on with the patient. You know, so you need you know. Fifty-year-old uh, cirrhotic acute liver failure. You know, boom. Yeah. Yes, at three in the morning, yeah. brevity is the essence of communication. Yes. You want it short <laughs> to the point. Right. So if you can use some of these terms to just quickly deliver what's going on, you know, and so instead of saying, "Oh, this child has this facial anomaly," this da 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 da, you just say, you know, three-year-old FLK in with acute renal failure. And, and that tells the person when they come the next yeah. morning, all right, I have a kid with renal failure. Don't think that the way he looks is part of his symptoms or presentation. Boom. Exactly. So you've, you've distilled a whole bunch of words into four. I say over in internal medicine, we have a lot of slang. It's, it's probably the most because we are the docs who tend to live the most within the hospital, with the exception of surgeons who have to love their job or hate their family. Yeah. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> <laughs> <I do> both. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> but a couple, a couple of my favorites, and ones that we do still, you know, we never chart, but we do hear around the break room are there's always uh, when elderly patients come in for a trip to the Adult Humane Society. Oh. Which, <laughs> which is how we refer to, you know, the families who drop grandma or grandpa off at the ER right before a three-day weekend. Yes. And they just say, you know, oh, they seem, a little bit, they seem a little more confused than normal. Or something's not right. And they drop them off, and you're like, well, what? And they're gone. <laughs> and they will come back on Monday. And more than likely, they'll pay their bill in full just fine. They just want to have Christmas alone. Yeah, of yeah. course we all we've all heard the term bounce back, which is a patient who you send out and comes back around so quickly they might as well be bouncing off wherever you tried to send them. Right, and right. this is actually turned into a quality control type of jargon, which is a real how many bounces do you get? Meaning that when you're discharging patients, you should actually realistically have a certain number of patients who come back. Because there's always going to be uh, a, a number of patients who you can't predict how they'll do at home. Right. And illness begets more illness. That's just the way, right. you know, sometimes things work. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Now, in one that's actually a little bit sweeter, Santosh, before, yeah. just to interrupt you, is we've all heard the term cabbage, which is short for coronary artery bypass graft. It's when the vessels in your heart have to be replaced because after a heart attack or causing a heart attack the just all the arteries and veins leading around your heart are too clogged up to be of any use. So you have right. to bypass them. Mm -hmm. So we refer to that procedure shorthand as cabbage. And one of my absolute favorites, and I still use it to this day, is referring to our cardiac critical care unit or our ICU for cardiac patients as the cabbage patch. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I like cabbage patch. Never heard the of it. 
the less kind version is referring to the neurologic ICU as the vegetable garden. Oh, <laughs> I have heard that one. Unfortunately, yes, I have heard that one as well. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one too. But I liked Cabbage Patch because it just sounds that so is sweet. Cute. It's not it's nice so vegetable cute. garden. <laughs> oh dear. Um, I've also had a lot of patients who suffer from dyscopia, which is simply a social admit for the inability to cope with whatever stresses life happens to be throwing at them. That is, that can be quite difficult. Yes. And that is not to say that these should not be addressed, but there are some people who probably don't need to be in a hospital setting to have their problems taken care of. I agree, Uh, yes. Now, I was on the phone with a non-medical friend of mine the other week, and they were calling me just saying, oh, well, how's work going? Because we were supposed to meet for lunch. And I actually had to cancel lunch on them. I said, oh, you know, I can't meet you. I'm getting hammered over here. And <laughs> my poor friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They said, oh, God, no, like a doctor from the, the 19th century. He's coming without me. Oh, my gosh. You're drinking on the job. You're a doctor. Yeah. People's life. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And, and I had to stop and explain, because I had ceased thinking about it, that getting hammered has very different context in and out of the hospital. And I, of course, am referring to getting a bunch of patient encounters all at the same time, meaning the ER is calling me to do three admissions and the surgical floor is calling me for a consult and one of my patients may be crashing. That is getting hammered in the hospital. Right. That is not, however, what my friend thought. No, and and I think he very rightfully was worried. Hey, 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 what are you doing? No, no, no. Josh is awesome. He won't, he wouldn't do that. And then, of course, there's a three midnight-itis where patients come in just waiting for the minimum three midnight stay to go to a sniff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the sniff is... And a sniff is a skilled nursing facility referred to as a sniff because many of the elderly people who arrive there contain a certain elderly aroma. (laughs) 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 Sounds like Vegemite with, like, I don't know, with toothpaste or something. Josh sent me a, a list of British medical slang, and I'm looking at it. They're a little bit different, aren't they? Yeah, let's let's find out what some of our colleagues across the pond and around the world use for Dr. Slang. 
in Britain, they talk about a dirtbag index, and we have something <laughs> like that here in, in America as well, believe it or not. Yeah, oh my gosh. Uh, but I think, it's, I think our dirtbag indexes are calculated differently. So over there, they multiplied the number of tattoos with the number of missing teeth. Here, how do we calculate the dirtbag index here? It's board, we, we use the tooth-to-tattoo ratio. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, and you want a positive ratio. You want more teeth than tattoos. That's right. An index technically, an index technically is a ratio, isn't it? Well, the dirtbag index is you take the number of tattoos times the number of missing teeth, and that gives you an estimate of the days since the patient has last showered. Whereas, oh. whereas the tooth-to-tattoo ratio is a visual determination of basic intelligence. Uh, okay. Oh, and yeah. this one is so cute and clever. The CNSQNS okay. <laughs> label. Okay, so what's CNSQNS? QNS is a medical term for quantity insu- not sufficient. Not sufficient, yes. Uh-huh. CNS, it's an acronym for central nervous system. In other words, the brain. So CNSQNS is just a cute way of saying someone is dumb. It means central nervous system. Quantity, not There was another term that I picked up when I was studying abroad called pumpkin positive, and that implies that if you were to place a light in the patient's ear, their entire head would light up just like a pumpkin. <laughs> it's also known as the jack-o'-lantern sign. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, our countries aren't so different after all. (laughs) There's actually a couple other ones now. If we keep traveling around the world, there are a couple others that are really fun. Uh, Brazil has some great ones. They have, let's see, they refer to their interns as bagrinhos, which is a type of fish that gets in the way of real fishing. (laughs) Okay. Do they call the helpless, hopeless case uh, the Olympics? Well, it's funny, actually. They don't, yeah, they don't do that. But instead of a Hollywood code, they refer to doing CPR in vain on a patient who won't make it as beating off angels. Oh, wow. that's wow. pretty good, actually. I like that. That's very graphic, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Beating off away. yeah. And then they also have, let's see, there's the estropico, which is a poor, unkempt, obstetric patient, or Jeopardy. Yeah. They refer to... Now, this one I actually liked. The the clinica eterna, or cuidare eterno, which is when I have a patient die, I usually say they were... They had a celestial discharge, or they were discharged to heaven. It's a oh, nice shorthand way of saying that somebody has passed away. So in Brazil, people get transferred to the eternal care unit. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a transfer to the ECU. Interesting. It's next door like to the that. vegetable garden, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a very, yeah. very sweet way of, of saying that. No, we definitely have shared jargon with other specialties. July being all the new residents come in. I'm going to call back very briefly. I know we keep coming back to the status Hispanicus, but it is one of my favorites. <laughs> no, no, it's a and great, it's very visually. Oddly enough, there are various terms for almost every race that run along some of these same types of lines for oh. a patient who gets, hello? 
Yeah, you know, I was scared that this was going to turn into a, a, a just a degenerate into um, oh, no, no, racial no, no. stuff. <laughs> no, this actually, it's not. There, okay. There's ones that apply to a lot of different ones. So in the Hispanic population, they have status Hispanicus, but the same, the same general appearance of a patient in the black population is known as tachylordiosis, and that's felt to be a middle-aged to older black female with a complaint rather than I, I, I to Dios, Dios, Oh, that's all lordy. Yeah, it's lordy, 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 lordy with lordy, the interspersed yeah. occasional Jesus. So it's tachylordiosis. <laughs> hmm. That's a good one. Yes, absolutely yeah. it is. Pokemon, of course, has really hit the airwaves recently. But a Pokemon in Japan, this is terrible, is the uh, the nurse assistant or medical student assigned to doing abscess draining in the ER. Oh, it's <laughs> getting into the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Which mm. is another jargon term that we use when we lance open a boil. You have to get into the pocket uh, to, to sweep out all the gunk. Mmm, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something, so. when I think of you, Santosh, I always think of pediatrics. And yeah. I remember my uh, little baby in the ICU, the neonatal ICU or something like that. And sometimes one of the doctors would tell me, oh, he went to the electric beach because <laughs> these little babies that get jaundiced have to go sit under the UV lamps to help them get over it. And so they have these little eye protectors. It looks like they're going to the beach. They, and they so, look like they're getting their tan on. They're getting their tan on. Yeah, yeah. so they're always just sitting under the lamps, hanging out with their skin exposed because yeah. they went to the electric beach. The electric beach is a great place for babies to hang out. Very chill. It's a good time. Yeah, we get baby in a box. We don't hear bubble baby as much anymore. Is there, is there a jargon, an incubator or anything like that? We usually go by the brand name or what it is. So a lot of them have animals painted on the side, and they have the ability to kind of raise the top of the incubator high up. You can just take the top off, and that one is called a giraffe. Now, I'm going to give you guys a, or a couple of terms, and I want you to tell me what slang you think they're referring to. Now, these are drawn from a database of slang from around the world. It could be London, could be Japan, could be Brazil. And let's see how similar we can get along. If somebody has suffered a podo-oral injury. So that's putting your foot in your mouth. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about if somebody is pneumocephalic? <laughs> airhead. Yeah, that's an airhead. Yeah, yeah, and and to go with that, I actually really like uh, supratentorial. But which is also I, another phrase is oligoneuronal. Oligoneuronal. <laughs> so oligo is the Latin or the Greek for very few. And oh, that's the Latin uh, version of uh, CNS QNS. Yes. Yes. That's true. Mm. <laughs> Osteocephaly. Uh, it's a bonehead. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> Now, osteocephaly often goes along with the acronym FUBA, which I had not seen in writing, but I have heard versions of. Oh, so please elaborate. So FUBA stands for Found on Orthopedics Barely Alive. Oh, dear. <laughs> 
Now, Susanna, I I know that internal medicine and surgery, <laughs> internal medicine and surgery have a bit of a rivalry. But what is your opinion as a general surgeon of your orthopod colleagues? Do you share the same stereotypes within surgical departments? We definitely hear them. Absolutely. But in the end, we decided that the orthopods are still just the smartest of the lot. So for a little bit of background, to get into orthopedic surgery is extremely difficult, and you have to be quite intelligent to get the scores that you need and do all the things that you have to do to achieve this specialty. But then once you get there, everybody makes fun of them because they're jocks. They're usually the big hefty guys that can do the heavy duty work and they're pounding with drills and nails and, and all this stuff. And uh, everybody accuses them of not uh, being very smart, but really they're probably just smarter than all of us because they found out how to get to their sweet spot, do what they love. (laughs) And then they don't have to take care of anything else because they're orthopods and right. they don't have to take care of the patients. They have a hospitalist to do it for them. Yeah, they Josh. Girl. <laughs> so, they think that, hey, you know, they are found on the orthopedic floor barely alive. That's what the hospitalist would say because yeah. the orthopod pounded a nail into some bone and then left them there for the hospitalist to take care of. But in, in ortholingo... Usually, when they do their rounds, which are at about 4 o'clock in the morning, yeah, when everybody's yeah. asleep anyways, <laughs> they do something where they say uh, L-G-F-D. Oh, looks good well, from door. Looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so they wander through, they take a peek, the patient's breathing, everything seems to be where it needs to be, looks good from door. <laughs> Acute lead poisoning, 185 grain injection. Ooh, I know that one. Hmm. Oh, oh, someone got shot, right? Oh, <laughs> an, an 80, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So 185 grain injection is a 9 millimeter gunshot wound, whereas a 240 grain injection is a 44 caliber wound. I see. Uh, <laughs> hmm. yeah, Another one. free bullets now. Another <laughs> one of my favorite uh, trauma bay lingo slang would be the donor cycle the, mo- the motorcycle accident victim that's so sad also made their way into the trauma bay by explicitly not wearing a helmet mm. so when we have patients that have such severe neurologic trauma that there's no way to save them we usually end up calling in the organ donation team to talk with the family and see if they would be willing to have that person give their organs to help other people with transplants and to help them get better or have a chance at life. A lot of times it's young, healthy males Mm -hmm. who are on these motorcycles without helmets and get into terrible accidents and end up with neurologic trauma and end up becoming donors. So we use the term donor cycle to be very appropriate, especially after a long winter and everybody takes their bikes out for joy rides. Also in the trauma bay, we've all done the trauma handshake. And for the layperson, the trauma handshake is a rectal exam to Uh, check the spinal cord intactness. Right. So if the very bottom of the spinal cord, which supplies the nerves to your rectal sphincter, to the inside of your thighs, if anything like that is wrong, find that out in a hurry by doing your uh, rectal tone. (laughs) Trauma handshake. I like that. Yeah. Now, here's one for you, Ward. Are you familiar with the brothalizer test or the brothalizer test? Broth- <laughs> brothalizer test? No, I'm not. 
That's the micro test to check for gonorrhea and chlamydia. A positive test result means the patient may have been to a either a brothel or they may just be a bro who <laughs> has picked up an STD. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah, the brothelizer. Or you could also check them for brothel sprouts, which are genital warts. Ooh. Oh, God. Nice. <laughs> on, the same, on the same vein, we uh, as surgeons have to deal with the acute abdomen, which is where somebody comes in with signs of some sort of intra-abdominal catastrophe. And sometimes you can get such severe abdominal pain when you have a really bad pelvic inflammatory disease infection, where you have some sort of STD that caused a lot of pus to go through the system and you get really really tender in your lower abdomen. I had a, a surgeon who would call it PID, pus in dare. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's very, that's almost Minnesota. I said, oh, there's some pus in there, eh? <laughs> I love that one. I remember learning about that briefly in medical school. Actually, you brought up acute abdomens, right? And I thought about that. When I first learned about it, I was thinking in class, like, almost sounds like a pickup line. Like, I can actually picture myself going up to girls and being like, hey, you must have appendicitis because you got a cute abdomen. <laughs> Fail. Fail, I, dude. I, I think... No, no, no takers? No, no, I, I might hate you a little for what you just did. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I don't know, I like, I like it, I like it. it. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's the medical version of you must be Jamaican, because Jamaican be crazy. <laughs> to be fair, sometimes I tell my patients they have an adorable appendicitis. Really? There you go. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's not just cute, it's adorable. It's adorable. Roz, have you ever heard of intubating somebody referred to as a PVC challenge? A PVC challenge? As you're putting a PVC pipe? Mm, I have not, actually. Well, that is, uh, I don't know, it's somewhere in Europe. Sorry, it's not a it's not a well organized database. <laughs> One thing um, I did, well, I sort of started coining for myself. People these days tend to be a little bit more sensitive, and you can't outright say things that might be considered offensive in front of patients. So you find other very sneaky ways around it. In the operating room, particularly for me, I'd say what's called the um, difficult airway sign. Generally speaking, when we have to put an airway is basically a breathing tube that we place mm -hmm. when we place someone on life support on a ventilator. When we place a breathing tube in, some people are easier to place the tube in than others, and that depends on certain patient factors. And one thing that can make a patient difficult to intubate or put this breathing tube in are patients who are morbidly obese, have very thick necks, have short jaws, might be FLKs or others. <laughs> um, yes, because you so, do have jaw anomalies in FLKs, you're right. Right, exactly. So anytime I see a morbidly obese person, rather than actually saying that out loud, I might say, oh, that guy's a Malampati 4, or hey, that guy's going to need a Glidescope. Oh. <laughs> Check out the glidoscope I'm going to need on that one. <laughs> there you go. Heck of a glidoscope. Glidoscope? Glidoscope. Glidoscope. 
You yeah. use them too, don't you? We what? do, yeah. On very difficult airways in little kids, you... So glidoscope is the fiber optic uh, scope where you can actually directly see the throat, right? It's like the they have the fiber optic scope with the thin, flexible one, and the glidoscope is the one that is more rigid. It's a curved, and you basically put it in the mouth, and it glides along the back of the mouth. Gotcha. So... Um, I have one more Brazilian one, and then and then I'll stop pulling from the database. It's too good. Like, there are just so many. Do you know, Praz or Susanna, what a Zorro belly is? <laughs> what? Hmm. Oh, I, I actually know this multiple one. Multiple past surgeries? Yep, multiple yeah. abdominal surgeries. Ah, a, <laughs> They've been slashed all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is a good one. Something else, something else that we have in the OR a lot, and I saw in one of the lists that you sent us, Josh, was the peak and shriek. And <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's happened quite a few times when we go in to the OR to see what's going on, what's happened inside the belly, why are these people in so much pain, and you find out that it's a disaster, some horrible, not curable condition, like cancer everywhere. There's nothing you're going to be able to do for this patient. So we we go in there, we take a peek, we shriek at how horrible it is, we just close it up and run away. So (laughs) peek and shriek, that happens. Something else I thought of when we were talking about slang was how we say box. So you would think of boxing and and that kind of thing. But when we talk about boxing, um, I say, oh, that patient boxed or, oh, no, be careful what you're doing because you might box the kidneys. So when you think about it, if something dies, they go off into a pine box and get buried. Right. Um, so it's become uh-huh. a way for us to talk about death. Oh, that patient boxed, it means they died. Or, oh, you boxed the kidneys, it means you you killed off their kidneys and they need dialysis or something. So. Oh. Oh, and we still use the elderly patients who survive a lot of these boxing situations are still referred to as coffin dodgers. Wow. Oh, <laughs> all right. Hey. Yeah, yeah, dodgeable. Meaning dodge people, people you expect to have a poor outcome who, against all odds and expectations, manage to come out okay. Oh. <laughs> so we uh, do have one artful coffin dodger on our service. <laughs> Nice Dickens reference. I like. Gives you guys a good look back into some of the slang that's used around, and feel free to send us any that you may have heard yourselves. This year has been so much fun, and it is only going to continue to get better. We have new hosts, new guests, new interviews, and hopefully more money. So here's the spiel at the end. That concludes our official language discussion if you would like to support us financially as well as spiritually and emotionally we do have a patreon page now we're on facebook we're on twitter we can be rated and reviewed anywhere you find your local podcast and guys the more reviews you give us the more people come to the show and it makes us feel good and we're happy and you want me to be happy don't you Please don't make Please. you not happy because um, then the rest of us suffer. So uh, quiet, you. <laughs> 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 
So once again, a, a very special thanks to Susanna for rejoining us and a welcome to Praz as our newest anesthetist, ICU surgical co-host on the show. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yay! <laughs> so, Praz, we, we bid you farewell as you go off to dreamland. And okay. Ward, Santos, Susanna, any favorite memories from the last season before we wrap it up and say goodbye? Uh, well, I, I've got to say that we've done so many wonderful journal clubs over this past year. This is a good year for journal clubs. So my personal favorite is covering all the new developments in antibiotics, where we're finding antibiotics up the nose, we're finding antibiotics in dirt, and the fear right now is really living in that post-antibiotic era. But I think with the work of some really amazing basic scientists, we're slowly just kind of gently pushing when we can say antibiotics are ineffective. We're, we're kind of staving that day off a little bit. Fantastic. And Ward, do you have any favorite moments from our last season? Yeah, you know, I'm also a huge fan of journal clubs just because they're so, and we can cram a lot in and we, we can cover a <laughs> wide variety of topics. Uh, one of my favorite ones was when we talked about uh, blind emojis. I mean, it's Dr. Josh, Santosh, and I trying to stay current and <laughs> trying to stay relevant against our aging selves. So that was fun. And again, for those of you who have not heard the Blind Emojis episode, it turns out watching the Olympics, scientists have learned that people who have not had any kind of sight from birth make the same facial expressions for emotions as sighted people. Yeah. Meaning you don't have to know what sad looks like to make a sad face. Nice. Right. And what about you, Susanna? I know you haven't been able to join us too much this year, but do you have any favorite moments from the year? Well, I must say, something I keep going back to when I go into the OR for taking out an appendix is the podcast that we did so long ago about the crazy Russian surgeon on an Arctic vessel who ended up being the only person able to do an appendectomy, and he did his own. I love it. <laughs> I tell everybody about it. <laughs> I might idolize the man. <laughs> nice. Well, you, you two certainly have a lot in common because I believe, Susanna, we do have an episode where we discuss how you cut an infection out of your own head. Uh, not an infection, a worm. Oh, oh worm. I'm sorry, That's a right. bot fly. Yeah. A bot fly. <laughs> bot fly larva. That, you, that you carved out of your own head. Yeah, so, I did. It's a crazy Susanna, American surgeon. <laughs> Susanna is by far the most adventurous of our group and Ward, Susanna and I, while we are not putting up episodes over the next couple weeks, we'll be traveling to Russia and Mongolia and returning with many more stories. And I have to say my favorite episode of this year, and it's, it's tough. They're all my children, my funny looking kids, <laughs> but I really liked our very first episode of the season 
about the witch doctors because we did get a chance to meet with some African medicine men. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of opportunities we find in Russia, Mongolia and abroad to interact with medical professionals in other worlds and cultures. Yeah, cool. this is, I think, one of the best uh, times is when we actually get out into the wide, wide world. And I know, Susanna, that's part of your gig is to travel around and heal. And Josh, you do that too as a locum's physician. But I think to see how other cultures view medicine and health is just a, a wonderful thing, and it's a real gift. So next season, things you have to look forward to include another chat with the witch doctor, as there is some footage we did not get around to recording, as well as learning about medicine in Russia, a talk with an anesthesiologist or anesthetist, <laughs> and a whole bunch of new interviews, as well as a return to a chat with our fellow friends over at the Space Medicine Society, and who knows, maybe even a new drama with better sound editing and effects. <laughs> you never, you can never guess what I'm going to come up with next. So everyone who's listened, thank you so, so much. We will be back in October with even more clips, more travel, more medicine, comedy, and misadventure. But until next time... As always, happy travels. Bye, guys. Happy travels. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.